Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grombacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, the strong and powerful Bobby Rebel. Bobby, are you ready to do this? I am, and you said my name right, George. You're my new favorite person. Nice. Well, I'm, I'm sympathetic to folks that have potentially challenging names with a name like Grombacher. So. Excellent name. But let's do this. Bobby is a certified financial planner. She is the host of the Financial Grown-Up podcast, the author of How to Be a Financial Grown-Up, proven advice from high achievers on how to live your dreams, as well as an award-winning columnist and TV anchor. So excited to have you on. Bobby, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why it is that you do what you do. Oh my goodness, you're starting with my personal life, George? I'm yep. not that interesting. <laughs> so I, I I am happily married. I live here in New York City. I've got three kids and a blended family, which is always complicated financially, but well worth it. Uh, my stepchildren are 21 and 18, and my husband and I have a 10-year-old, and we also have the most adorable Morky named Waffles, which is, she's featured very heavily in my Instagram. If anyone wants to check that out, you can learn all more than you ever wanted to know about my darling Waffles. But as you mentioned, I am a certified financial planner. Very recently, um, I did that ahead of starting my Financial Grown-Up podcast because in the podcast, I give advice. And I think it's really important that when you get financial advice, it should be from someone that has taken the time to really learn and invest in making sure they know what they're talking about. It doesn't mean that I can't be stumped. I certainly am not an encyclopedia and we've got a lot of new tax law going on right now, but I wanted to at least know the basics because my background is as a journalist. So I'm used to answering questions. I'm sorry. I'm used to asking questions, not answering questions all the time. And when my book came out, people were asking me questions suddenly. So I wanted to make sure I was coming from a knowledgeable place when I answer those questions. And I didn't want to always just say, well, check with your local CFP or whatever. Um, I wanted to be able to give some basic information, even though they should, of course, follow up with their specific situation with a professional. So and now I've got my podcast in addition to my book, which is new. Awesome. It is always a kind of a tough thing to say. It depends when somebody asks you a specific question, but unfortunately, a lot of the time, it, it does kind of depend. So tell me what a Morky is. I'm, I, I apologize. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. A Morky, <laughs> I'm just obsessed with waffles. So a Morky is a Maltese Yorkie and, of course, the perfect dog breed. Okay. So she has a very um, spunky personality, as many Yorkies do, but she's also very sweet, like many Maltese are, and she's absolutely beautiful. So I adore my Morky waffles. Fantastic. Super cute. And that that's 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 a great Morky name too. So, <laughs> named by a then five year old who's now ten. Okay, perfect. It all makes sense. <laughs> so I uh, I had the opportunity to to check a little bit about your book and uh, and, and your podcast as well. I wanted to to talk a little bit about your book and. Um, seems like one of the main themes from it is how important it is to learn from the successes of other people because people have made a ton of mistakes and a ton of great decisions and we might as well benefit from those experiences. Well, thank you for bringing that up. Yes, I think it is important to learn from other people's experiences. And I love that you said it that way, not just saying other people's success, because sometimes we look at people and we think, oh, Tony Robbins, who's in the book, and he actually wrote the foreword. We look at that and we say, well, he's Tony Robbins. So that's why everything comes so easy to him. He's flying around in private jets and going to his private island and this and that. 
Well, Tony Robbins didn't have any food growing up. Tony Robbins had nothing. He was working as a janitor. So when you hear the reality of how so many of these people began their lives, it becomes more relatable. And I think it's important to share not only successes, but also the struggles that so many successful people have gone through. And just like in the podcast, the book, it's the same format where we hear these stories, but then we also hear the lesson. And then we get my take on sort of the perspective that we can all gain and, and what we can take out of hearing about those experiences. The, the realization that people's journeys have not always been this really smooth, un, uninterrupted boulevard of green lights, that in fact there are tough things that everybody experiences really, really no matter who. Um, something that we were talking about on just offline before the show today was how a lot of the time when you're listening to really well-known financial people, it's almost as though there's no room in their advice for the real world. It's this is the way that you get out of debt or this is the way that you save money, but things happen sometimes and it's not always, and we're not always able to do that. Yeah, I agree with you completely. I think that's an excellent point. And what we were referencing actually was my dear friend, David Bach, and, and he disagrees with me on this, but he is adamant that people use different, you know, methods to just get rid of your debt. And I agree with him that you should get rid of your debt, but sometimes you're in a position where you're still accumulating debt or you're barely able to pay it and you are working on increasing the top line. You've cut everything you can cut and you may not be in a position where you're going to pay off the debt as fast as you want. So you want to at least control the damage. And that's, this is for an example of a lesson that I give. The best scenario is to do what David Box says and pay it off, whatever method you use. But if it's not going to happen being honest with yourself for, let's say, a year. Well, during that year, maybe you can transfer that debt to somewhere where you're paying a lower interest rate or no interest rate. Maybe you can go to a zero interest credit card. He will point out accurately that many people do that, don't pay it off, and then just accumulate more debt. That's a real danger. But it is something that people can at least think about as a resource because it can at least by the math, cut down on the actual interest that you're paying. The psychological risks are very real because the people that get into debt like that and do that are also at risk of accumulating more debt. So I'm agreeing with David respectfully, but also maybe giving people other options. Right. Internet. And David disagrees with me about those options, but that's okay. You'll yeah. have David on someday. <laughs> right. You know, it's in an ideal world, there would be ideal situations. So I, I try my best to live in the real, real world and people might disagree with that, but so I, I certainly appreciate what it is that, 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 that you're saying. I appreciate David's point as well, but anyway, I think that there's also immense value in people sharing hard times because whenever people make themselves vulnerable, it makes them a lot more identifiable and then I think that it makes their message uh, more effective because people are going to say, okay, you know what, I I... I totally get it now and I, I, I can identify with this person and maybe they can take and actually implement that advice. In, in our culture, I think that there's so much shame around not doing well with money and then that shame can stop us from taking positive action or talking to professionals. Um, I didn't have a chance to read your entire book, but is there any thoughts from the folks that you interviewed on that subject matter? I do. I think that there are a lot of examples of hardship. I actually, what comes to mind right now is an interview just because I just did it. It's going to be, it will have aired on the podcast before this episode goes out. 
it's from another certified financial planner named Shauna Compton Game. And she talks, just to give a little tease, she talks about the fact that when she split up with her first husband, she walked away from every material possession. So, and she said, well, I'm a certified financial planner. I should come out of my divorce okay. So she didn't really make the best financial decision. And in a way she was embarrassed about it. But in hindsight, as the years went by, she realized that because she was able to earn more money, it was okay. But at the time, it's kind of, it's, it's embarrassing. She felt very ashamed that she's out there giving all this financial advice and here she is basically wiped out, the but whole, it was real. Yeah. Right. The physician heal thy, thyself kind of a thing or the cobbler whose kids have holes in their shoes. That's sometimes how that goes. When we talk about helping people to, to start making or taking positive steps financially, what would, what would some, some advice to them be? Well, I think exactly what you've been talking about is being honest with yourself. You don't have to share your finances publicly. That's ridiculous. I don't share mine. I think it's a it's my private business. I have a blended family with lots of other people involved that are sort of innocent parties, George, if you know what I mean. I'll share fun stories about my kids and I'll share fun stories about me growing up, but I won't talk about things that involve exes and all that stuff. But it's important to share it with yourself. In other words, write it down, be honest. If you have, for example, going back to the whole idea of debt, if you have mounting debt, be honest, say, okay, look at my cash flow. What am I going to be able to pay in what time frame? And is that acceptable to me? And if it's not going to be, if you can't squash it in a, what you determine to be a reasonable time, look at other alternatives. Maybe you do want to take out a home equity loan. Maybe you want to get a side hustle. I'm always in favor. I, I think, George, the best thing you can always do is increase your top line. And I know when my husband and I have seen a cash crunch coming up because we love to pay tuition. Um, we have, you know, college kids. <laughs> we hustle. We have I've had tons of side jobs, extra writing, working for different people. Um, we up our income. That's our M.O. So whatever is going to work for you, see the road down, see the road ahead and see what's going on and find solutions. Because if you just ignore it, it's going to happen. Nothing's going to stop the, the debt or whatever it is that's happening. But if you see what's going on and make a plan, you'll be okay. Any plan. Right, right. Just take action. And I know that another theme of the book is is taking ownership of your life, which is really what you, what you were just talking about. It's having that an honest and frank assessment of your current financial situation, and and then you were just talking about you know you you and your husband like to to in, increase the top line, and I, I definitely appreciate that. Um, I was just having a conversation with um, with somebody else, and they were talking about how if your problem is an expense problem that's that's a tough one if it's an income problem that's easier to solve because you can always make more money but if your expenses are really really out of control it's it's a lot tougher to to rein that in so i appreciate what you're saying also i i saw it from the book that a big part of it is appreciating and accepting help can you talk a little bit about that I think it's really important to accept help when appropriate. I remember I was speaking with a young lady who was in her mid-20s, right when the book was coming out, and she thanked me for giving her permission to accept money to help with her student debt. She had a grandfather that was wealthy that really wanted to just pay off her student loans, and she didn't want to take it because she felt it was wrong, that it would. she's an adult and it's not right to take money. And I said, but can he afford it? And she said, oh, he could completely afford it. It will have absolutely no impact on him at all. And I said, will it make him happy? She said, it will make him happy. It, he really wants me to start my life out and be debt-free and be able to buy 
an apartment, whatever I want to do and not have this burden. But I just feel like it's not a grown up thing to do. And I said, but that's ridiculous because he's giving you the freedom to start a grown up life without this burden of debt. You never want to take money from someone that needs it. But if you are a hundred, a thousand percent sure that for in this example, an older relative has the means to help you to become an adult. I'm not talking about funding, you know, something that's irresponsible, but to do something in this case, it was paying off for student debt. Take it. And you know what? Be there, be appreciative, be there for them and have them know that they really contributed to your life. I think it's a great thing, especially when it comes from family to have different generations helping. I think it's really a wonderful thing, especially for grandparents, for example, to set up a 529 for their grandchildren. What's better than that? No, I think these are awesome. good things. We should help each other as we can afford to. Going through the, the the list of questions that I had prepared for you, and I realized that the most important, or perhaps the first question I should have asked, I'm apparently saving towards uh, for, for sort of the, <laughs> the the middle of the end of the interview. Uh, tell me about how you came up with the financial growing up idea. I was walking in Central Park, George. <laughs> I love to walk in Central Park with waffles, of course. Sure, and. Um, I, although I was not with waffles that day because I was on the reservoir and they don't allow dogs. So she must've not been with me that day. Um, but I just, it just hit me. I'd been thinking about writing a book for young people because as a journalist at Reuters, the younger people were always coming up to me and asking me questions because I wrote this column, for example, on millennial personal finance when I was there and there really wasn't a good book for them. And I would go to the bookstore And I would observe people and I would kind of chat them up because I'm a journalist. And I would say, well, what are you looking for? What appeals to you? I saw you pick up this book. You put it down. And they would say, well, I really like this book, but it's so big and intimidating. But I know I feel like that's the one I should read. So I'm probably going to buy it, but I probably won't actually read it. And I said, well, what what would you actually read? And they would kind of point to things like personal finance for dummies. But they said, I'm embarrassed to read that, which they shouldn't be, by the way. Mm -hmm. But they would say things like that to me. So I thought, how can I write something that is basically the People magazine of personal finance, something that was a page turner that was going to be easy to read? People doubted when I said I was going to write a book. They said, well, who's going to be your ghostwriter? Because there's a stereotype with television anchors, maybe a little bit. And I said, no, I'm going to write the book that I'm going to write from the vantage point of television from coming from that point of view of everything being short, digestible, little bites. You can read the book for five minutes, two minutes and put it down and get something out of it. Read one little anecdote and you feel like you've gotten a nugget of information that you can take with you. The same thing for the podcast. It's all of 10 to at the most 14 minutes. I'm trying to keep it at the lower end of that. And the idea is that you can do a deep dive into great hour long, long podcasts. Um, Yours is a longer podcast than mine, which is great. So so listen to this podcast. And then when you just want a little dessert, a little bit extra, a little boost, maybe a money tip, you listen to Financial Grown Up 10 minutes while you're running an errand and you're good to go. And you feel like you learned something. And hopefully I entertained you a little bit too. Well, I love it. And I think that you certainly have a, a unique perspective. Um, haven't had the opportunity to interface and talk to some of the, the brightest and most successful financial minds that uh, that the country and probably the world has to offer. So, and I love it. I, I love the idea of uh, referring to it or thinking about it as, as, as the people magazine for, uh, for financial books. So that's, you want that's it to awesome. be a book that people actually read George. I mean, right. at, the, at the end of the day, you can write the most high and mighty book. <laughs> there are so many amazing books and it's hard to get through them. <laughs> 
So uh, a, an unread book is is never a good idea, no matter uh, how brilliant the words actually are <laughs> inside. You need something that people will actually read, and that was my goal. And the same thing with the Financial Grown-Up Podcast. Easy, 10 minutes. Well, I am maybe too happy to constantly say that I'd rather be useful than brilliant, so I totally get that. <laughs> awesome. Well, Bobby, Money or Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? My big tip, George, is that you should always ask. Ask nicely. Ask with a smile. Ideally, ask in person, but always ask. So, for example, if you're going to – just always ask for something extra. And have fun with it. If you're at a local place that you go to a lot, say, hey, do you have a local discount? Bet you get 10%. If you're near your office, do you have a discount for local employees? Bet you get 10% with your employee ID. If it's the end of the day and you're at a place with perishable goods, say, you know, all your stuff is so amazing. What happens to it at the end of the day? It's so sad. You know, a lot of places have two-for-one specials at the end of the day because they want to get rid of their stuff. So odds are you'll get a two-for-one special. People often give me two for one at the end of the day just because they need to get rid of it. So hopefully if they're not, they're giving it to, you know, charities of some sort. But even if you're shopping and it's a full priced item in a clothing store, it doesn't work so well in big department stores where they don't have the leeway. But if you're in a boutique or something and it's full price, you can say to them, I love this, but I just never feel good about paying full price because I know it's going to go on sale somewhere else or I'll get it at a discount on the internet, but I want to give you the business because you're a you know sole proprietor. You're, I want to support small businesses. Can you work with me at all? You'll get often 20%, but almost always 10%. Trust me. Well, that I'm is telling you. with a smile always. Though. Yes. <laughs> well, that is great stuff. That definitely gets a come on. Come on. So <laughs> thank you so much for that. And that's so true. You just have to ask. Yeah. Have to, and that's true of everything, right? That's true of your, of, of your cell Always. phone bill or your credit card interest rates or whatever. It never hits to ask. So Always ask. Bobby, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Well, first of all, please do check out my podcast and rate and review it on iTunes. You can listen to it anywhere, of course. But we've been told, George, I don't know if you, you've gotten this, but the message is we were supposed to ask people to rate and review on iTunes. That's where the stats go. Follow me on Instagram, BobbyRebel1, and on Twitter at BobbyRebel. And like my Facebook Facebook author page, which is also BobbyRebel. And join my email list. Go to bobbyrebell.com and you'll get a pop-up window. I'm sorry about that, guys. But when you see the pop-up window, please sign up for my newsletter. Well, all the pop-up window is doing is asking you, Bobby, and how can that be a bad thing after what we just talked about? Exactly. <laughs> well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Bobby your appreciation and check out all the different locations she just listed, which will be listed in the notes of the show. And share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Thank you again, Bobby. Thank you, George. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we're all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on!